Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds RPG Fridaycast. This is your host Jason. I'm going to do a movie retrospective for you today. This is much more exploitation movie than it is RPG. There's I talk about RPG ideas throughout, but for the most part, this is about exploitation movies, which means non-politically correct movies. So if the idea of listening to 45 minutes of non-politically correct movies bothers you, then I highly recommend you skip this episode and catch me on my next one. So I do give you that warning up front. I'm going to be playing trailers from these movies, play some sound clips, and talking about the things that are in them. So if, like I say, if normally that would bother you if you wouldn't watch these movies anyway, then you probably want to skip this episode. We are going to look at the films of William Gardler, a Louisville, Kentucky-born filmmaker who died way too young. Interesting enough, he often forecasted to his friends that he was going to die when he was 30, and he died within a few months of his 30th birthday. Now, he died in a helicopter crash scouting a, his next movie, so it's you know not like he committed suicide or anything, but it's interesting how accurate he was in you know, that prediction. Um... He made nine films in six years during the 70s. He, you, could wa- you can watch him progress and, and improve in his craft throughout those movies. By the time he his final movie, The Manitou, you, you can definitely see it's much more polished than his, you know, where he starts with Asylum of Satan. The Manitou has been praised by many critics. It, Ellen, or I'm sorry, Santos Ellen Jr., also known as a Black Saint, is one of those. Santos recently died, but you can find his... He used to write for Fangoria. He's done commentary for Arrow Video. Arrow Video putting out some of the best collections and best um, bonus material on DVDs and Blu-ray. And he also worked with Horror News Radio. So if you go find their podcasts, you can find a lot of um, Santos's commentary on those film reviews. But to get back to Girdler, you know, it's a shame he died when he did. When that helicopter crashed in the Philippines, he was scouting for a movie called The Overlords, which was going to be some kind of Star Wars cash-in, which, you know, I can't imagine what that would have been. And he was also going to make a movie called Kentucky Wild back in Kentucky, which I believe was going to be a drug film starring Marlon Brando. The idea of a late 70s Marlon Brando as a drug runner of some sort, you know, it's it's a shame that never happened. But... Let's talk about the films that did happen. So I'm going to give a quick rundown of his nine movies, and then we'll go in depth in a couple of them and talk about some things you can pull out of those for your RPGs. There will be spoilers throughout. Um, chances of you watching any of these movies is probably pretty slim. The good news is you can find just about all of them on either YouTube or you can find some of the later ones on streaming services. So these movies are available. You can find them, although some are a little tough to find. So let's do a quick rundown, and then I'll go more in-depth in a couple of them. Actually, before I dive into the movies, I want to do a quick overview of some of the actors that are in these movies. Girdler was pretty loyal, so once somebody was a friend of his and, and did a good job for him, he kept bringing them back in his movies. So one example of that is Charles Kissinger. Charles Chis- Kissinger was a World War II vet. He was in the Army in World War II. He was in seven of Girdler's nine movies. He 
He stars in the first few, and then his participation drops off a little bit, mainly because he doesn't have a ton of screen presence. Now, that's not because he wasn't a good actor. In fact, Kissinger was in, he was a Shakespearean kind of actor, and he was in the prestigious Actors Theater for Louisville. He also did lots of TV and radio spots. In fact, you can still hear his voice on some radio spots in Louisville. And he hosted a a movie show, showing horror movies and whatnot, Saturday nights in the early 70s on a local Louisville TV show. But he he doesn't translate as much. You know, he, he was probably great on stage, but his movie, the screen presence wasn't as great as some people. William Marshall, who plays the exorcist in Abbey, who also most people know from Blackula as the title character, he was also a stage actor, but you can see where he translated well over to film. Kissinger, not so much. But Kissinger's, you know, a good example because he's in a ton of these movies. Another actor that's in a bunch of the early movies is James Pickett. He has a minor actor in Osama Satan, and then he's, you know, has a major role in Zebra Killers where he just chews the scenery up. And then he also is a starring role in Three on a Meat Hook. Um, we see Derville Martin, who you'll know from black exploitation movies. He's in a couple of these movies. He's in Sheba Baby, and he's in The Zebra Killers. And people know him. They might remember he's in Hammer, Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem. He's in a lot. Dolomite. He's in a lot of movies. Um, Austin. Sorry. Got screen just locked up in front of me. Huh. So, anyway, Austin Stoker, people should recognize. He played his best known role probably is Bishop in Assault on Precinct 13, but you know, he's in Sheba Baby, he's in The Zebra Killers, he's in what are the movies that people seen him in? He did a ton of TV stuff all the way up through modern day he's been doing TV stuff. Um he's been a ton of things. And so definitely he's somebody you would probably recognize his face. Um, he's a, a good actor. We'll talk about him some more when we talk about the zebra killer. So there, there are a lot of these actors that, that get brought back and back. Another one that gets brought back, interestingly enough, is Michael Clifford. Michael Clifford was first brought on for the zebra killer to be the police consultant for that movie. And he ended up getting act, you know, he has a small role in The Zebra Killer, and then he has small roles in some other movies with Girdler, and he ends up leaving the police department and moving to Hollywood to be a consultant, thanks to Girdler. And he ended up later working for Stephen Canal, things like 21 Jump Street and whatnot, and he still works in the business as a consultant today, or at least he did up to a couple of years ago. Um, so he's, he's another one that, thanks to Girdler bringing his friends with him, is, you know, is made a good career. Okay, so a quick rundown of the movies. In 72, his first movie is Asylum of Satan. 73, we have Three on a Meat Hook. 73, we also have The Zebra Killer, which is also called The Get Man, also called Panic City, also called Combat Cops. We have Abby in 74, which is the only movie here that there's no official release because it was um, buried after Warner Brothers sued them for it being an exorcist ripoff. 75, we have Sheba Baby, which is probably the one most people have seen. It's a pretty famous black exploitation film with Pam Greer. 
76, we have Pod Project Kill, which is Leslie Nielsen in a kind of a born identity kind of thing. 76, we also have Grizzly, which is probably his next most famous movie. Well, yeah, I, I would say Grizzly, a lot of people have seen or seen parts of Grizzly. Um, 77's Day of the Animals, another animal attack movie. And then 78's his final movie, his masterpiece, The Manitou, um, which I don't know if it's fair to say it's masterpiece because it's taken off of a Graham Masterson novel, and the script is really close to the novel, actually. But The Manitou is definitely worth seeing. So those were the nine movies he made. The first five were all filmed in Kentucky. The Project Kill was filmed in the Philippines. Grizzly was filmed in Georgia. Uh, I'm not positive where Day of the Animals filmed. No, Day of the Animals filmed in, I think, in California, and the Manitou was a was a Hollywood film. So, all that said, let's go more in depth, starting with Asylum of Satan. Pleasant Hill Hospital. To those on the outside, peaceful and serene. To those on the inside, filled with terror and evil beyond belief. A beautiful girl. Born from the arms of love, her very life a nightmare in the house of hell, with no hope of escape or mercy. What do you know about those people over there? Nothing. We don't ask. It's simpler that way. The doom at their last meal with death as the dinner guest. If you don't mind, I didn't sleep very much last night and I'm very tired. Now the only thing I want to hear about or discuss is my immediate release. Sit down. Awakened by a mutilated, crazed animal who seeks her beauty to appease the bloodlust of a devil bridegroom. Pursued to the canyons of hell to the edge of sanity by the bestial craving of the prince of darkness. The Asylum of Satan. 1972's Asylum of Satan. So, Charles Kissinger plays Dr. Spector, who is a Satan worshiper who runs an asylum, and every so and in return for immortality, he sacrifices virgins to the devil, basically. But, and I, not so much sacrifices them as captures them, prepares them, and then in a ceremony they're given to the devil's bride, is the idea here, right? And that happens every, I, shoot, I should have rewatched, I didn't rewatch the movie, but it re-happens like every 20 years or something, it ha he has to do this. So, in the movie, we're in one of those cycles, and it starts with a, a lady who's a concert pianist, captured, well I say captured, she was in a car accident, which no doubt Dr. Spector orchestrated, and she's taken to the hospital, and then Dr. Spector requests her doctor release him to Dr. Spector's care, which her doctor does, kind of crazy, which seems kind of crazy. But, and so she, when she wakes up, she's in this insane asylum. And, you know, we go from there. And it's okay. You know, you have her trying to figure out what's going on in the insane asylum. You have her boyfriend who's trying to see her, who's trying to get the police to help, and the police aren't very helpful. And then you have weird elements, so like, he goes, visits the asylum, and it looks, you know, well-kept, and Dr. Spector explains to him he can't see her, and when he brings the police back the next day, you know, it looks like the asylum's 20 years 
it hasn't been taken care of for 20 years. It's at in disrepair. And a groundskeeper comes up and says, nobody's been here for 20 years. And so the police don't believe the boyfriend. Yeah, things like that. Kind of weird things. Um, it, Satan does make an appearance at the end. It's uh, There are props left over from Rosemary's Baby. If you remember Rosemary's Baby, well, there's a rubber devil suit from that movie. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if that this devil suit was actually shown in Rosemary's Baby, but apparently it was a prop made for that movie. Um Anyway, so it's an interesting premise, you, you know, and, and of course, Spectre's a weird cat. So Dr. Spectre, he dresses up in drag as the nurse, and he's in, interacting with the patient as the nurse, and then he switches out of, out of drag, and he pastes on this goatee mustache. He looks like a a weird Anton LaVey kind of guy, and, and, and that's what he looks like as Dr. Spectre when he interviews her as Dr. Spectre, and so he swaps, you know, none of the assistance and nobody else comments on this which is kind of weird uh, i don't know it, it it's an interesting movie but the idea you can use for your games is this idea of having a loved one or one of the characters that all of a sudden is in care in an asylum or a mental institute and they're trying to see them and they can't and then you know when they go back with other people or whatever you know you have that thing where now all of a sudden the building is old and decrepit and nobody's there, you know, so I think you could spin something interesting out of that. It, you know, I, I don't know if it would work to kidnap one of the PCs, but I think you could definitely do it with one of their loved ones or somebody else. And they're investigating this, but nobody else believes them because to everybody else, you know, this is obviously, you know, this place hasn't been inhabited for a decade, but you know, when the, when they investigate more, they find out these crazy goings on are happening. So it's almost like a Scooby-Doo kind of thing, which kind of lends itself to this movie, actually. So, But that's Asylum of Satan. 1973's Three and a Meat Hook. I've not included a trailer here because I want you to go watch it. It's better if you see it in addition to hearing it. All these are better if you see them in addition to hearing them, to be honest. Um, but Three and a Meat Hook is the most pretentious thing you've ever seen the trailer is. The movie does not live up to the trailer. The trailer makes you think it's some kind of crazy psychological thriller, and it's not really. It's got an interesting twist. It's Gardler's take on the Ed Gein story. Ed Gein was an American killer who was famous, um, and Ed Gein definitely inspired Psycho. He inspired things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs. Pretty much any of these things you see are... You know, a lot of these horror movies are with killers, slashers, and whatnot are based on Ed Gein. Kind of wrongfully, to be honest, because Ed Gein wasn't like the characters you've seen in a lot of these movies. Um, not the, I'm not saying he was a good guy at all. He's a, but, you know. Um, interesting enough, this movie does predate Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so it's not a copy of Texas Chainsaw. It, it definitely came out before Texas Chainsaw, and it was made, you know, separately. So, anyhow, in Three on Meat Hook, because you're probably not going to go watch it. Basically, this young man, his father keeps telling him, you can't have women because you know what happens when you're around women. And the idea is that, you know, he hasn't believed that he killed his mother and, and he goes crazy when he's around women and he kills them. And at the end of the movie, and then, of course, three women break down near the farmhouse. So they come stay with him for the night and then they all get killed. And then you also have 
where he goes into city and he finds a girl and they get along and they come back to the farmhouse and well things happen right so in the end the the twist here is not just that dad is the real killer but that mom is still alive and dad is killing because mom is a cannibal so he's killing ever killing these people to feed the meat to mom so it's a little bit of a twist on the story which is interesting um I'm not sure there's really much to pull out of your RP, pull out of this for your RPGs, to be honest. Um, but I, I do think the super pretentious trailers w- worth a watch if you're an exploitation fan. That, that's about it for three on a meat hook. Attention, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? This is your police chief with an urgent police bulletin. There's a dangerous killer loose in our city. He has already brutally murdered five persons. You're looking at official Homicide Bureau photographs of some of this killer's victims. Very few clues to his identity are available. But police artists have prepared this composite sketch of his probable appearance. Remember, this man is heavily armed and is dangerous. If you have any information as to his identity or whereabouts, notify the nearest police department immediately. way to die. Combat cops, a bullet away from eternity. It's panic time and everybody knows it, especially the combat cops, because a mad killer's got the whole town by the throat and he won't let go. The combat cops have to find him before he stakes out his next victim. Because the next victim could be anybody. Maybe me. Maybe you. Once a private plane and a pilot in two hours, or you kill her. Combat cops. They play rough. Real rough. And for keeps. Rated PG. 1973's The Zebra Killer. This is an interesting movie, and and I've got a lot of affection for this for some odd reason. Um, this, so the movie is originally The Zebra Killer. At some point, it was renamed The Git Man, and IMDb lists it under that title. It was released in Europe as Panic City. And then it was re-released in the States in 74 as Combat Cops. So, I don't know, there's a bunch of titles out there. The main DVD you can, in VHS you can find out there is the Panic City one. Um, but you can find it under the Zebra Killer, too. So the title actually references a real-life police case. So this was really ripped out of the headlines. The killings weren't even called the Zebra Murders. You can find an article, by the way, on, on the Zebra Murders in on Wikipedia, but to October of 73. So, and I'm not sure the time frame when this movie was made, but obviously this movie was made in a couple weeks. Um, you look at it, you can tell. So, it, um, But this case wasn't wrapped up or anything when they made the movie and when it came out. So for, you know, um, a little background on the actual murders. 
they're, it's not called zebra because it's black on white violence. It's called zebra because that's the radio band that the investigation was assigned to. So just like the military has mnemonics where, you know, if you say a letter over the radio, you have a word you say instead of letter so it's easier to understand. In the military, instead of saying Z or Z, you say Zulu. Well, police have radio mnemonics as well that don't necessarily match the militaries. And the police mnemonic for Z or Z is zebra. So the police band that was dedicated to this entire investigation while it was happening, because this was really high profile, was zebra, the Z band. And that's where the name zebra murders come from. But like I say, these were racially motivated murders. Um, It was a real big deal in San Francisco at the time. And it's kind of been not talked about publicly as much since then because a variety. You, you guys can go read the Wikipedia article if you're interested in this kind of stuff. But that's where the name comes from. The movie doesn't really do anything to tie it in with that at all. And the movie is quite different than the real killings. But that's where the title comes from. The initial title, The Zebra Killer, comes from. And it may be why they changed it. The, this movie is actually yanked out of theaters after a couple weeks. And there are a couple reasons for that. One, because of the way it was filmed. Um, so, in the movie, you know, in the movie they really don't shy away from the racial themes at all. You've got your lead character as a black officer. He's a black detective. He's the best detective on the police force, actually. He's paired up with a white partner who's kind of a little bit inept. He, um, you know, his boss gets along well with him when they're alone, but when they're in public, the boss kind of treats him bad. There's a place where he kind of comments on that. I'm going to play a sound clip about that here in a little bit. Um, the police chief doesn't like him, but has him there because the mayor likes him, right? Um, you, you have, you know, they, they show the racial stuff quite a bit. They, you know, the killer in this movie, and like I say, we're doing spoilers. The killer is actually a white man who's doing the killing in blackface. And he's doing that to throw people off his trail, but again, that's pretty racially motive, you know, or pretty racially um, charged, especially in the early seventies, especially when these killings are happening, right? As I mentioned, Austin Stoker is the lead in this movie, and he's, you know, it's established throughout that he's the, you know, the best detective. They're a really good detective, if not the best on the force. In fact, here's a couple sound clips I'll play for that. The first is. He's interviewing a a survivor from the killer. And then the second is his partner talking to the chief of police. So let's listen to those two sound clips. So the basically the plot of this is there is a the killer in this who's played by Pickett who just chews the scenery up. He does he does a great job, but he um he's angry because his father had been convicted of a crime and put on death row and died in prison, and so he decides he wants to punish everybody on the jury, the judge, and the officer that you know convicted his that got his dad and had the evidence against him, the arresting officer. 
which is, of course, Fred Savage, our hero. But as he's doing this, he decides to do these killings in blackface to throw things off, right? To pose as a black man to throw things off. And he also leaves notes, which are kind of cryptic, although the notes aren't that cryptic. You can figure out what's going on pretty quick. But initially, there's a lot of confusion. So here's, and and you remember I mentioned the police chief doesn't like Savage a whole lot? Well, here's a talk between him and Savage after the first killing. What's your opinion of this note, Sergeant? Haven't got one. Haven't got one? There's nothing to base it on. No fingerprints, no clues. Just a note that says one down, 13 to go, and signed Mac. Well, we've got three dead girls, not one. Not a single criminal in our files uses this MO. No witnesses, nothing. Chief, I've got every spare man on this case. There's just nothing we can do. At least until that girl comes around and can be questioned. And when's that? The doctors say 24 hours. Maybe more. What's your plan now, Sergeant? I think I'll go home. Savage and Wilson have put in four 15-hour days this week, Chief. And then what? Sergeant? Well, Chief, I just might get late. Remember when I mentioned that it even went into the idea of the problems in the police force with the racial stuff, and, you know, you kind of heard that in the chief's tone there? Well, Savage does get fed up with that and fed up with the way he's treated by the citizens and everything else. And and kind of here, here's a discussion with him near the end of the movie with his partner about that as they're driving in the car. So, truth be told, this is low budget. It's not very well made. Um, it's probably a pass. The only copies you're going to find are pretty horrible copies, quality-wise. It checks the box for me as far as buddy cop movies. There's light banner between the partners. It tries to show things pretty honestly. Um, admittedly, Savage is kind of too good to be true in some ways he's you know like he's great at karate and he's great at shooting and he's great at everything but i can forgive that in a movie i i like the fact that it doesn't shy away from the racial stuff i like the fact that it you you know it's i don't know i i like these kind of movies but i'm the exception like say this is not it's a it's a tough watch you can find on youtube maybe watch it that way first if if you even try and and if you're not interested in it that's cool too no worries um, I think the things to pull from your role-playing game, though, are the killer dis- disguising himself and trying to throw the blame onto another group, right? So I think that's interesting. You know, you know, maybe the maybe it's a human disguised as an orc trying to throw the blame off or whatever. I don't know. You could have the the idea of killing people in odd ways, like in, 
that go with their professions or something like that. You know, the baker gets baked in a cake. Kind of silly, but, you know, there's ways you can do that. And the other thing that's interesting would be the notes. You know, killer leaving clues. And, and none of those are unique to this movie, but, you know, it it is what it is. Plus, I like the soundtrack, which are... So I've used a clip from the soundtrack for the opening closing music for this movie. But that's about it for this particular movie, so let's move on to the next one, which the next one is even harder to find than this one, if you believe that. Was Abby. This was Abby. A woman loved and in love until that night. Then something evil came looking for a soul to possess. I can't stop thinking about your husband. <laughs> that creep. Forget him. Was this Abby? Nineteen seventy four's Abby. This movie has been suppressed. It's never been released on home media. No, never on VHS or DVD. You can find copies of it out there, but it was never officially released. It's a Exorcist ripoff. Um, it was marketed as the Black Exorcist when it first came out, actually, and it made a lot of money when it first came out. Um, in fact, it did a lot better than Blackula did in the theaters initially. But then Warner Brothers sued them, and the studio pulled it. AIP pulled it instead of fighting the lawsuit. Um, I mentioned Blackula also because William Marshall, the star of Blackula, plays the exorcist in this movie. Carol Speed plays Abby. Um, it's an interesting movie. It's it's worth checking out if you find it. It's a pretty good exorcist movie for like these kind of movies, you know, possession movie for like these kind of movies. Um, it's fairly standard. She's not a kid. It's an adult that gets possessed here. Um, but it's a pretty good movie. I don't know that there's a whole lot you can pull for your games that you wouldn't already pull uh, from possession stories. But it's, you know, it's a fun, well-done possession movie that unfortunately has been suppressed by Warner Brothers. Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby. Pam Greer, that foxy brown coffee gal is... Sheba, baby. I'm gonna take a shower. Meet the queen of the private eyes, pulling the teeth of a blood-sucking loan shark by land, sea, and air. Before I turn you in, you tell me about your operation, and you better tell me fast before you lose your head. When you're after the top banana, you peel off the skin. What you gonna do with that gun, mama? Nothing if you roll down that window. Oh, what? I said roll down that window before I blast a hole in your head. Slamming Pam, giving the gun brothers the frizzies, and their boss man the tizzies. Have I bruised your masculinity? You're sexy. Where to take you? Try me.
to settle. The heat's on in the street for that big bad mama, but she's doing the cooking. And any cat in her way is gonna get fried. Sheba Baby, the kind of baby every swinger likes to hold. So 75 Sheba Baby's the next movie. It's if you watch Pam Greer films, you've probably seen it. Um, Pam Greer's in it. Austin Stoker's back. Um, interesting enough, Derville Martin, who played a pimp in Zebra Killer, he appears in this movie, which was made two years later, in the same pimp out in the same outfit. It's the same. I don't know what's the right term. Pimp suit. He's in the same suit <laughs> in both movies. You know, two years apart, which is interesting. I guess it was still there in wardrobe. Um, Sheba Baby's okay. It's not one of Greer. Greer does a fine job. The actors do good, but it's not one of the better movies. And and I kind of think that's Girdler's fault. He just doesn't do as well as some of the other directors, um, like maybe Jack Hill's Pam Greer movies. But again, it's a pretty standard movie. Not really a lot from this one to pull for your your game. Although there, you know, there's a there's a a yacht party and a yacht fight and they 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 fight in the water and they there's a fight in a like an amusement park and there's some interesting things there you can pull but again nothing super duper outstanding there's even less to say about 1976's project kill in this one leslie nielsen is running a cia program that's kind of like mk ultra where they're training assassins and giving them drugs and he decides to leave the program, and then they try to kill him. This was a movie made in the Philippines. It's an action movie. It's not a comedy. You know, Leslie Nielsen did things before he did comedies. And it's not very good. <laughs> There's really not much to pull from it, and not much to, you know, tell you to go watch it. Unless you want to see every Leslie Nielsen movie ever made. But... It does establish his relationship with Leslie Nielsen, which is good, because we'll see Nielsen again in Day of the Animals. A motion picture is coming that does not cater to fantasy. You will see nature's most savage man-eating animal. By its size alone, it can overpower and devour any human. Grizzly. Over 18 feet tall. Over 2,000 pounds. The largest carnivorous brown beast in the world. The campers come in here, they leave food around, the bears get the smell of it, and that's it. Well, this is different. This bum's eating his victims. Anyone is fair game, because this grizzly preys on the easiest food of all. Terror. The jaws on land belong to Grizzly. 1976's Grizzly. This was the top grossing independent film of 76. Um, it, it made more than Monty Python and the Holy Grail did in box office receipts. It made over $30 million on a budget of three quarters million dollars. It is a good movie. It's got a ton of actors in there that everybody will recognize. Um, it's a shameless Jaws ripoff. It just friggin' <laughs> it, you know, you can map 
this movie to Jaws, the characters, their analogs to Jaws characters and the situations, analog to Jaws situations. It's got Christopher George in there. Um, it, it's a fun movie. It, it, um, I don't know. It, you know, it's, and the bear does some great stuff. He, he decapitates a horse. He kills a kid. Um, you know, cause a lot of movies are scared to kill kids. So that's important. Um, they blow the bear up with a law rocket at the end. Um, it, Grizzly's worth seeing if you like these kind of movies. It, but it's basically Jaws, but in a national park with an 18-foot bear. And unlike unlike today, they used a real bear for this movie. In fact, the same bear will return for next the next movie, Day of the Animals. I do recommend Grizzly. I think it's a good movie. I think it's the three movies you may have seen of Girdlers are Sheba Baby, Grizzly, and The Manitou. Most people have probably seen Sheba Baby and The Grizzly over the others. Those are probably two most well-known movies. The Manitou and Cult Circles, but not that many people have seen it. As far as your games go, definitely you can pull things out of Grizzly. You know, the idea of some creature that's attacking and then the PCs have to track it down. You know, in a fantasy game, maybe it's an owlbear that's attacking people or, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, you know, pretty standard kind of thing where you've got this creature that nobody can seem to find. And then, you know, it's just killing people left and right. So... And this has been done in a ton of movies. Also done in Alligator, which maybe I'll talk in a future show because I also like Alligator quite a bit. But that's Grizzly. So the next movie is actually another Animal Attack movie. One day it had to happen. Man has hunted them for food, trapped them for fur, killed for sport, and caged them for pleasure. Now it's their turn. of the forest gather a growing horde of fur and feathers feet tooth and claw an army of animals seeking vengeance against their most feared enemy man himself this is the day of the animals christopher george leslie nielsen linda day george richard jekyll michael and sarah and Ruth Roman struggle for survival in a world gone mad. The Day of the Animals is coming. 1977's Day of the Animals. This was not the box office success that Grizzly was, unfortunately. Um, but it's a, a fun movie. In this movie, a hole in the ozone layer drives animals crazy and the animals attack humans. That really is the plot. And then the movie ends when the ozone layer, uh, you know, it repairs itself and then the animals stop attacking people. So the plot's kind of weak. Your heroes are a group of hikers, and I say use heroes lightly. Um, we've got Christopher George back. Linda Day George is in this one. Uh, Leslie Nielsen's back now. In fact, Leslie Nielsen plays this guy who goes crazy and he's trying to take over the group. And he's actually getting ready to rape some lady in a thunderstorm and a grizzly bear comes out of nowhere and he wrestles a grizzly bear. So if you ever saw a clip of Leslie Nielsen wrestling grizzly bear, that's from this movie. In this movie, you get to see people attacked by all kinds of animals. You know, rats, dogs, hawks, snakes, mountain lions, the bear, obviously. It's okay. It's not great. Um, But if you want to do, you could do something like this for your game. 
where animals, you know, are driven crazy for some reason and they're attacking and the players have to figure out what's causing the animals to go crazy and stop it. And like in a medieval game, you know, especially at like the cows, the livestock and all are going crazy. But if you kill them all that are trying to, you know, and, and so your cows or whatever, trying to kill the farmers and all. But if you kill all the cows, now you've destroyed the the food source for the the village. So you can't just kill all the animals. So you could have scenes where your characters are trying to avoid killing, hurting the animals while doing the investigation to figure out, you know, what's causing it. No doubt it's going to be an evil sorcerer or a druid or something. Who knows? Um, there's another movie like this. It's an Italian movie from the 80s, and it's called Wild, Wild Beasts, I think. In that movie, the reason the animals go crazy is somebody dumped PCP into a zoo water supply. Yes, you heard that right. And so then the zoo animals break out and go crazy. Wild Beasts is interesting. You've got like an elephant rampaging on a airport runway, and there's like this cheetah running down a highway along cars, and you get all kinds of weird animal attacks, and, you know, the Italians definitely pull out all the stops in those kind of movies. Uh, but, yeah, Day of the Animals, it's okay. It, it's There's definitely some interesting clips out there. You could probably find the neat things on YouTube just watching clips of it. But the idea of having all the animals go crazy and having to figure out why could be useful in an RPG, especially because you don't really want to hurt the animals because then you would, you know, starve the village. So, I don't know, maybe that's something you can use. But after Day of the Animals, we have Girdler's Masterpiece. The Manitou, starring Tony Curtis. John! Michael Ansara. What does a white man want with Indian magic? Susan Strasberg. Ah! Innocent people tormented by terror, threatened by the unknown, trapped by an ancient horror. No! The Manitou, rated PG. Manitou starts Wednesday at the Cherry Creek and Billet. 1978's The Manitou. This was released in 78 after Girdler's death, filmed in 77. Um, this movie, because there's so, so much crazy stuff in here, I think it's worth watching it before you hear me spoil it. I think it's worth watching it without watching a trailer for the movie. Um, so, as I mentioned, it's not PC, but if... If you can handle watching the movie where you have non-Native Americans playing Native American parts and whatnot, then I do think it's worth checking out. So if you're still with me, let's talk about it. Tony Curtis plays a fraudulent fortune teller living in San Francisco. So he's basically a tarot card reader who's swilling little old ladies out of their money. He's visited by, he's kind of like um, Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, right? So he's visited by a friend, played by Susan Strasberg who has this tumor in her neck. Well, they go try to find out what the tumor is, and it ends up, it's the fetus of a 400-year-old Native American medicine man who wants to be reborn into the world. Well, to find out what's going on, you know, they x-ray it. And, well, by x-raying it, they end up deforming the fetus. And um, so once he's born, he has like these little deformed legs, which are kind of crazy. But and And there's supernatural things happening throughout the movie, and... So Curtis finds a modern medicine man, Native American medicine man, played by a non-Native American, but played by Michael Ansara, who does a great job. He's a great actor. And so the, the, the movie culminates, you know, they, they try to cut off this tumor and the medicine man makes the doctor who's trying to do that. He makes that doctor slit his wrists there in the operating room. 
um, and they try to like cut it off with a laser and that doesn't go well. And, um, yeah. So anyway, the, the, this evil medicine man, Native American medicine man is born and he conjures up like this ice spirit to, and freezes the hospital. And so to, to beat him, what they have to do is call upon the spirits of the computers because in the mythology of this, this story, everything has a spirit. You know, every rock has a spirit, every tree has a spirit. Well, every computer and man-made thing has a spirit too. So the the modern-day medicine man, played by Michael Ansara, has Tony Curtis invoke the spirits, the Manitous, of all the computers and all to fight this evil medicine man. And, and this final fight ends up being nuts you're in the hospital room and the wall falls away into outer space and you have this cackling little evil medicine man and Susan Strasberg's there is topless shooting laser beams at him as she's possessed by the spirits of the computers and because the modern day spirits don't like the old spirits I guess I, I it, it it's a crazy movie um there are definitely things you can pull for your games the idea everything has a spirit may or may not work with the cosmology of your world but the idea of, of the the fraud who is a real thing or the fraud who's thrown into a real situation is easily done. Like I mentioned Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. Same same kind of thing. You know, I would love to play this Harry Erskine character in a in a game sometime. Um, you know, the the fake fortune teller who actually now has to you, you know, deal with real magic and real things. Um I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll get a call from John Allen Large, I know he's seen the Manitou and and he enjoyed it. Um but yeah, I I do recommend this movie if you like exploitation, if you don't mind the non-PC stuff in there. I I definitely recommend this movie. So that is about it for Girdler movies. Well, that's it for this movie retrospective. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some gaming ideas out of it, and I hope now you have some movies you can either go check out or movies you can know to avoid depending on your taste. So I will be back on Wednesday with my week in gaming and some phone calls. Until then, if you have any comments for me, you can leave a message on Anchor, or you can find me in the Audio Dungeon Discord. And I'll talk to everybody soon. Take care.